Well, it's Monday again, Arkansas fans, and your team is now three and three. Arkansas loses forty to seventeen to Mississippi State in Starkville. It was it was really just a beatdown. And rather than doing our normal last look at the game here on the Gridiron Hogs podcast, we're just going to talk about what's going on with Arkansas football because uh, a lot of reaction to the loss, a lot of fans upset, understandably. And so we're going to talk about that more than just say, hey, here's what happened um, on Saturday. So you're listening to the Gridiron Hogs podcast. I'm Mason Choate. I've got Robert Stewart and Alex Trader. We're from hogbeat.com, H-A-W-G-B-E-A-T.com. Go visit it. We're the Rivals website covering the Arkansas Razorbacks. A lot of great content over there, including uh, our five questions answered following the game. Uh, Braylon Russell, 2024 in-state running back, decommitted from Arkansas on Sunday. Alex Trader had that covered. Go check that out. Uh, the defensive struggles, why, K- why Cade Fortin started over Malik Hornsby, all of that stuff. You can go read it at hogbeat.com, and of course, we're going to talk about that on today's podcast as well. All right, um, so during the game, of course, understandably so, there's there's something to say about the reaction from Arkansas fans. Um, the the product on the field, especially defensively, is just it's it's disappointing. Um, you you watch the Arkansas defense. Um, they didn't adjust. They stuck with the three-man front. And, you know, Sam Pittman said after the game, look, we're we're hurt. We're beat up. We didn't really have a choice but to stick with the three-man front. Um, but I, even, even so, I still don't see a lot of adjustment there on the defense. It seemed like they didn't change a whole lot up. All they did was when they got hurt, they threw in uh, Trent Gordon for Jaden Johnson. Miles Slusher didn't play. Um, it, it was just – you got to figure something out. Change up your looks. Drew Sanders, I, I, say, I think I saw a stat that Drew Sanders only rushed the passer five times. This is a guy who leads the country in sacks against an offensive line that Mississippi State's offensive line, yes, they, they've got a veteran offensive line, but they've struggled to protect the passer. Like when other teams have rushed Mississippi State this year, they've had you know some success. So you would think you want to send the, the leading sack guy in the country and they they just they didn't really do that. They didn't. I feel like they're sometimes they're not putting their best players in position to make plays, especially defensively. Agreed. Um, I mean, how how many times did did I sit there and tell you, look, Will Rogers is just standing there flat footed right now because he's got all day to throw. Yeah, and that's not a guy that you want to give all day to throw because Mississippi State is an offense where either they're gonna they're not gonna take a whole lot of shots downfield but they're always going to have somebody out in the flats ready to catch a pass. It, it uh, Very often it was Jaquavius Marks, the running back. I mean, I think he had like eight or nine catches in the game. Um, here we go. He had he had 14 targets and 11 catches. And oh, I, I would say all 11 of those were just dump-offs from Rodgers. And it's like, how do you not have a guy? I mean, they th- sometimes they did have a guy spying him, but Arkansas just plays soft coverage. They play the cloud coverage at – it allows for just easy completions for the offense, and that's definitely not what you want to do against Mississippi State. And then, of course, when you're not rushing the passer, which is what Arkansas has had to do to make up for the secondary injuries and struggles, then it's just a recipe for disaster. Like, Arkansas gave up 40 points. They gave up almost 600 total yards to Mississippi State. And then offensively, I mean, we know the quarterback situation. Cade Fortin started the game, and then Malik Hornsby ended up taking over. 
Malik Hornsby, this was the first time that you really see what Malik Hornsby is made of as a passer for Arkansas. I mean, you've seen him uh, last year. He ran the ball, I think, like 23 times or something like that. Uh, you know, he led the team in rushing, had 114 yards rushing. You know what you're going to get from him there. Uh, 52-yard run on his first play from scrimmage. So Malik Hornsby, a, a talented, talented athlete. And then, of course, passing. He started off the game really well. Uh, had those two interceptions in the second half, but, you know, completed some deep shots to, to a couple to Jaden Hazelwood and then that one to Bryce Stevens, which was just a great play. So you had some bright spots offensively, especially with Malik Hornsby. But, Alex, we were talking about this before the podcast. You know, if K.J. Jefferson's the quarterback, I I think if K.J. Jefferson's the quarterback in that game, Arkansas still loses, but offensively, they're able to do a little bit more because he's just he's your starting quarterback. He knows the offense as good as anybody. He's a playmaker. He his receivers trust him. He trusts his receivers. I think Arkansas scores more points. They move the ball a little bit better. You disagree a little bit? Yeah, I do. Uh, from you know last season coming in, I thought all the all oh, put Malik in, put Malik in, put Malik in. High you know right when KJ struggled out of the gate against Rice was kind of kind of moronic at that point. Just because of what we'd seen in practice, what we've seen from, you know, KJ at the, you know, down the stretch of that season, it made a lot of sense to keep him in. He was clearly the guy coming into the season. Once again, clearly the guy, whether there was Malik transfer rumors or not. He, I mean, he entered the portal. Um, whatever happened there, KJ is still your guy. And now midway through the season, I'm not seeing that same KJ Jefferson. I don't know that the Hogs get to 17 points. Um, you got to remember at one point late, late, like very late in this game, Arkansas was outgaining Mississippi State. A big difference maker is the fact that there were two red zone possessions that weren't converted on. One of those possessions did Malik miss a wide open receiver. Yeah, but he got them down into the red zone and then the play calling throughout the rest of that, that goal line uh, set was not fantastic. I didn't love it. It kind of ended up costing the hogs seven points there, but that throw to Bryce Stevens was more impressive than anything I've seen KJ do all season. That 51-yard run electrified the offense, and that's something that hasn't happened much this year. This offense has been pretty dull throughout most of the season, uh, and that's going to happen with a running offense, but even then, great rushing offenses that are able to translate into great teams also provide some sort of spark in the passing game, and, and until Saturday, we haven't really seen that so far this year. I, I mean, I'm just going to straight up disagree with you, Alex. I mean, KJ, KJ is the guy. Um, I think Malik, you know, he showed that he's the backup. It's not Cade Fortin, it's Malik. Um, but KJ is the guy. I think KJ is a, a much better quarterback. I think he knows the offense much better. I think he can read a defense better. He there. I don't think there's any quarterback controversy at all. I do agree that Malik played really well, and that, that pass to Bryce Stevens was one of the better plays this season for Arkansas's offense, but KJ's the guy. Robert, what were you going to say? Consider this. Uh, the the two the two red zone stops that you mentioned for Mississippi State, both fourth and one, I believe. One was at the eight-yard line. One was at the one. It was fourth and goal. If KJ Jefferson's under center there, you think they get those? Like, the the second one at the goal line, I, I'm still not over that pre-snap motion. Like, what what was that for real? However, that I mean, I I, I think that the offense is definitely designed for KJ Jefferson, you know, right? That that is a play call where if KJ Jefferson is your quarterback, maybe he keeps it, maybe you run a different play, 
Um, but I, I KJ's just the guy. He he is. Um, Alex, go ahead. He, I mean, there's no debating that he knows the offense better. He's he's able to read the defense better. He's been in that position. That's you know a large part of why he ran away with the job last season rather than just walking with it, even after a poor first half against Rice. But I mean what you're seeing on the field is what you're seeing on the field. And those throws from Malik weren't being made through. Can KJ make them? I think he can. We saw he could last season. Has he made any of those throws this season? No. Um, it, it does actually help a lot. I think it's a good point to say that you actually do have a backup now. Um, before this season or coming into this season, when it was thought that KJ may go into the draft and, and may be leaving after this year, I was worried about Arkansas's quarterback room going into next season. Now I'm not quite as worried. I, I didn't have any faith in Malik. Now I have enough faith where I think that there's you know, not that big of a drop-off, especially from what we saw in this game in, in terms of what you're seeing from one quarterback to another. I, I agree with you there, and I think we need to bring this up. I feel like this was one of the first times that you kind of – you know, questioned Sam Pittman's decisions. Um, and, and that decision being Cade Fortin to start over Malik Hornsby. We got the the explanation that Cade was just a better quarterback in practice. They felt like Cade was a better passer. Um, Malik turned the ball over more in practice. But you watch in this game, I mean, Cade Fortin, two for six for eight yards. Those two completions came on the opening drive. He, he just kind of looked lost out there. And then Malik comes in and brings an immediate spark. I I don't know. He was asked if, if Malik is a gamer. And he, he, he kind of said that he didn't really know if Malik was a gamer. They just thought Cade looked better in practice. But I don't know. This was this was a, a thing where it's like, how how do you get that that wrong, you know? Yeah. Sorry, and- sorry with the mute button. I wanted to step in there. Um if I mean, it's it's also worth noting those those first two completions were both to Rocket Sanders, I believe. I know they were running backs. So I mean, a wide receiver didn't touch the ball until a, a, a few plays after Hornsby took over. And it it is it was the first drive, and you know, it, I just felt like Malik was worlds better than Cade Ford in this game. Um, you know, we saw a lot more Malik than Cade, of course, but you know what you saw from both guys, Malik was the better guy. He I feel like he's your backup quarterback now. Um, and another thing was, some people brought this up. Sam Pittman said uh, during on that play call that you were talking about, Robert, on the goal line, like from the three yard line, fourth down, they do all the pre snap motion. They bring Rashad Dubinion over and they hand it off to him. Sam Pittman said that he thought they were going to get that. You know, he he had the option to veto the play call and he didn't. And so that brings up the question of like, how often is Sam Pittman vetoing things, and how often is is he not listening to the decisions that maybe a coordinator is making and vetoing it, and then doing what he thinks put his, puts his team in the best position to win a ball game? I don't know how often he's doing that. So th- I really just think that this was this was one of the the Alabama game a little bit, but this was one of the first games that fans look at Sam Pittman and what this Razorback team did on the field, and you start to question a little bit of what's going on. Now, how much are we going to contribute, you know, the struggles to injuries? Because that I feel like that's been the biggest excuse is they're really beat up. And we know defensively they are. 
offensively, Jaden Hazelwood said he's dealing with an AC joint sprain. Defensively, bumper pull dealing with a hip issue. We know Miles Slusher didn't play in this game. Jaden Johnson came out. You don't have Jalen Catalan. You don't have Ladarius Bishop. Um, who else is hurt? Uh, Latavius Brini's been dealing with some injuries. So it's like this defense has been – they've been beat up, and Sam Pittman said they need a bye week. But I don't know. I don't know, guys. Do we think that the injuries are a, a big enough excuse? I, I feel like at some point you've got to change the narrative. I mean – Think about the the last two seasons. You've had how many games with Jalen Catalan? Like six, maybe? Eight, I think, because I think he played seven. No, he played – I think it was the seventh game last season against Ole Miss when he got hurt, and then he played like the first half of okay. the Cincinnati. Maybe, maybe seven total games. He's played in eight, but probably seven total games over the last year. You've had Jalen Catalan. I mean – once once he went down last year, it felt like there was a clear drop off. I mean, all all you could do was was rush and hope that you could get sacks last year. And I mean, look at the Alabama game last year, right? Bryce Young just picked you apart. Um, I mean, it it feels like it's been the same tune this year, and it's like okay, you I mean, you know how to play without him. You you gotta you gotta figure something out and. Something has just not been figured out. And we know that they they at least tried something different. They put Hudson Clark at safety. I think that, you know, for the most part, he did okay. It felt like he he was there to make a few plays. Um, of course, the play where he got blown up in the end zone just because he's a smaller guy, that happened. But it feels like he was in the right spot at the right time, at least a few times against Mississippi State. Now, let's not – let's not act like Mississippi State is not a good football team. Like, I think Mississippi State's a good football team. they got a great offense. Their defense has improved. But also, you know, I don't know. It, it was just a weird game. You don't have your starting quarterback. You're really hurt on defense. Like, you can make those excuses, but also there are questionable things happening, like the Cade Fortin thing. Something we haven't even mentioned is that Reed Bauer punted his first ball this this game and we've been saying it all week I don't or not all week all season I don't know if we've really said it on this podcast a whole lot but Max Fletcher has not been it he just has they've already burned his red shirt and he hasn't been that great of a punter I mean his first punt was 25 yards I was about to say we could tell that from the first time he kicked a ball this season and like then Reed Bauer comes in and immediately his like 50 pounds right yeah, he, he had three punts. He averaged 46.3 yards per punt. He had a 53-yard punt. I mean, Rebauer last year was a good punter. And so Sam Pittman said, you know, they're seeing it from Fletcher in practice. It just hasn't translated to the game. But that's the same thing with the Cade Fortin situation is like maybe these players are doing really good in practice, but also you got to see how they're performing in live action in a game because that's just as important. That's more important is how they perform in the game. Right. And you have, it's not like they don't have other options is the thing. Reed Bauer was on a preseason award watch list for a reason. He was good last year. He, he's punted the ball three times this year. He's good. Uh, I mean, Malik Hornsby, same, I mean, not quite on the watch list type level, but you know, you, you know what to expect from him. You've, you've told us that he's a night and day better passer than he was last year. And that was his biggest knock, right? I mean, at what point do you, you just nix practice, and you know what? I'll, I'll give them a little bit of credit on this one. They figured it out with Cade Fortin a lot faster than they did with Max Fletcher. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. Alex, get in, get in here and tell us what you're thinking. Yeah, I it's the real. I mean, the real loser of the weekend wasn't necessarily just the Arkansas Razorbacks. It was Sam Pittman. I mean, <clears throat> last week, I, me, me personally, I was very, very anti his decision to accept that penalty that ended up giving Jalen Miller an easy or a third and eighteen touchdown run down. You know, I think they were down twenty one at that point or so, something like that. It was a really, really, you know, quite frankly, boneheaded decision, and it didn't work out for him then. And then this weekend, you saw a number of times things just weren't working for what Sam Pittman was doing. Um, and then, like you said, injuries, they they matter, right? You can't lose a star player and then go in and beat Alabama. That's fine. Beat Texas A&M. Beat, beat Alabama. Go in expecting – or not Alabama. Beat Mississippi State, who, who got – you know, kind of blown out by LSU, go out there and compete at least because in this Mississippi State game, you got blown out of the water. In Alabama game, you got blown out twice. If the expectation is to make it to a bowl game, that's fine. You can do that and you can beat teams like Missouri, teams like Liberty, teams like, you know, uh, you need to beat BYU next week if you want to salvage, not salvage the season, but if you want to keep any sort of momentum that you had coming in from the preseason, you have to beat BYU this week. But you can't keep using injuries as a shield because you know what? If Nick Saban loses a guy, his team's still going to go out there and compete and win games. If, if Davo Swinney loses a guy, same thing. Kirby Smart, same thing. Ryan Day, same thing. Good coaches go out there and they make things happen. They, they win games for their team from the sideline, and they, they put their players in a position to succeed whether they have the star quarterback or the star safety or not. And we're not seeing that from Sam Pittman right now. Yeah, I mean, it, the difference is Arkansas doesn't have the level of talent as those guys, but also you've got to be able to put your guys in the right position to win a ball game. Um, you look at the past two weeks, Alabama started what? The game started off 28 to nothing, and then Mississippi State started off 21 to nothing. And so it's it slow starts and then not being able to dig out of that hole. That's something that Bumper Pool talked about. Um, you know, I, I asked him, you know, late in the game, you guys are struggling to keep it up. And he said, yeah, we're getting tired. We've, we've put ourselves in a hole and it's just, it's hard to dig out of that hole when you get in that hole so early. One bright spot in this game, you know, Mississippi state was five for 13 on third downs. But if you think about it, a lot of those third downs were third and short, like third and two, third and three, third and one, Arkansas would get the stop. And then Mississippi state goes three for four on fourth downs. So Two of them came in the red zone. Both were fourth and three. Yeah. So it's, it's, you, you're getting, you know, at least a little bit better on third down, but you can't let them get to third and short like that. You know, that's, it's just, if they get to third and short, then that makes it easier for them to make a decision to go for it on fourth down. Um, and then another thing was the, the quote about the bowl. Um, yeah. That was a very controversial thing. We know that Barstool Sports picked that up. Let me pull up. So somebody in the media, I don't really want to name drop because I, it was a tough situation. Uh, if you know, you know. But the real quote was, our goal from the beginning of the year was to go to a bowl. This is from Sam Pittman. It could be the playoff bowl. It could be this. But our minimum goal is to get to a bowl game, which is every team's minimum goal, right? is to get to a bowl game. And the quote was taken way out of context, though. I, I really, truly feel like it was taken out of context. But it, we're getting to the point where there are some things that Sam Pittman says in press conferences that fan, when you have fans on edge, fans upset, they're going to 
you know, chomp at the bit every time they get a little bit to to take out of context or to get mad about. Am I right? You are. Um, I mean, I I wasn't there, so like I I I missed out on on that experience, but it 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 just feels bad. Like the vibes everywhere, every aspect are bad right now, and and it's wild because like this is still like it still very much could be a successful season, but we, you know, we were talking about this on the way back last year. It's like, maybe the bar was set too high last year. Yeah. I think that's a part of what the problem is, to be honest. I mean, you come into the season last year, you got a tough schedule this year. Your schedule is way tougher. You're playing Cincinnati. You're, you're playing BYU on the road. You've got, you know, some really tough games in there. You're losing a, a generational talent at wide receiver, and you're coming in expecting to do better than your 9-4 and four season last year. It's not great. And, it, you know, I don't love the quote. I know it is being picked up completely out of context when someone just puts the part that says, you know, coming into the season, our, our goal is to make it to a bowl game. But that, you know, for a team that went 8-4 and four last season and is coming in looking to compete in the SEC West – that can't be your your minimum goal. You have to go out there and expect to, you know, seven and five, eight and four. Go out there expecting to win more. Six and six is is five hundred. That's all it takes to get to a bowl game. That's not a successful season from you know over the past couple of years. Maybe you would love to see that. You would have loved to have seen that from Chad Morris. But if Sam Pittman wants to really break out and differentiate himself from some of the previous Arkansas coaches, he needs to get out there. And six and six isn't going to cut it as a successful season. I think it's and we'll we'll end with this. One of the things that we talked about on the drive home was did Arkansas going nine and four last season really hurt Sam Pittman and this team? Because you set the bar in year two at nine and four. Once you go nine and four in year two, that that then becomes almost the expectation. Like it's it's hard to expect nine wins every year, especially, you know, at Arkansas, but if you're doing it in year two, then you feel like it's just going to keep going up. And now that you're in year three, you returned a lot of players. You brought in some transfer guys. Like it felt like, you know, you built on the team last year. And now you're looking at a three and three team. You know, the positive is they did have a three game losing streak last year and they ended up winning out. Um, in my preseason prediction, I had them losing these three games to AM, Alabama, Mississippi State. And then I had them winning out. So, this team can get it turned around. I think BYU is a very winnable game. Then you get a bye week, you get a little bit healthy, and then the the schedule after the bye week is not that hard aside from a game against Ole Miss. You know, LSU is pretty good, um, but I feel like every game is winnable. Um, the Ole Miss game is the hardest game left on the schedule. And so Arkansas can turn this around, but right now it's a there's a, a lot of questions. They've got to get healthy, and they've got to start making – you know, better decisions as far as, you know, adjustments on defense goes, play calling on offense. Like you can't be as bland as you were. I feel like they opened it up a little bit with Malik Hornsby in it. You saw at times it worked really well, but get those guys healthy. Quit looking at guys in practice and saying, oh, this guy's really good in practice. Let's throw him out in the game. And he doesn't do well and you keep him in there. If he do- if he's not doing well in the game, make a change, you know. So those things have to get fixed. And uh, we'll continue to keep an eye on that as far as this week goes. All right, before we round out, I want to remind you about our friends at MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands, 
call Andy Ledecky. He's an, a longtime Rivals member and franchise veteran. He's owned multiple franchises and businesses, and he wants to help you do the same with his knowledge and expertise. It's a free consultation process if you call him. You put your life and career in your own hands, and it's 100% free. Give him a call, 404-973-9901, or visit myperfectfranchise.net. All right, real quick, before we go, guys, I want to say I updated my college town rankings to having uh, Columbia, Missouri at number 13 and Starkville, Mississippi at number 14, and Mississippi State fans are very upset with me. I mean, having been there myself, Oof. Um, I, I was telling you before before we started recording here, the, the, the thing to do would have been to tweet it when you got there Friday night so that they could have not had the excuse of, oh, well, you're just mad that your team lost. Yeah, that's that Mississippi State fans are really upset because they're saying, well, your team lost like this is this is all you have is to say that the town sucks. And so. I replied to it and I said, this has nothing to do with what happened on the field because it doesn't. I, I don't, I, if Arkansas loses, they lose. It's based on the town itself. I was not impressed with the town. I thought Mississippi State fans were nice, the the few that we came across. I thought the atmosphere at Davis Wade was awesome. Listening to the Cowbells was awesome. The town itself, not that great. There's not much to it. The roads were weird. The downtown area was just like, I felt like I was in, like a, a Eureka Springs type atmosphere or something. It, it was just, I wasn't impressed. I mean, we got there Friday night. We parked. We did get a rock star parking spot. That was awesome. However, we got there. We were like, this is it. I mean, it's like three restaurants. Yeah. And there might, we, of course, we didn't explore the entire town, but we were in the hot spots and I just wasn't that impressed. That's, that's all I'm going to say. All, I mean, it, it was a, a very low bar. And Starkville did not beat that low bar. That's all I'm saying. The thing is, like, what what we perceive to be their Dixon Street equivalent, like, if if that's the case, it, I mean, it looks Fayetteville look like a metropolis. Yeah, I mean, and Starkville's a smaller town. That's that, and that's fine. And I want people to understand that it has nothing to do with the fans. Has nothing to do with the atmosphere for game day. It's only the town itself. Because I thought, I mean, Davis Wade way better than whatever Missouri stadium is their high their glorified high school stadium I'll say that so um all right we'll end with that we'll talk to everybody on the gridiron Hawks podcast tomorrow you